and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Ryan Daly. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 533. Seems like I just recorded because I did. How are you, Ryan? <laughs> oh, enough of this chit-chat. Let's get to it. All right. So <laughs> what we will be talking about tonight, yes, spoilers, we will be talking. Even though I, I mean, I don't know how much there really is to spoil since so much about the, the important things in the show are kind of known already <laughs> before it began. There are a few things, though, to be fair. But we will be talking about Ahsoka uh, now that it ended yesterday that we will be Hot off the presses, we'll be giving our thoughts, talking about the season, what we thought, the highs, the lows, and things of that nature. So where do you want to begin? You want to talk about something you liked? You want to talk about your views on the season as a whole? Last episode? No, I, I want to build to the last episode at least. Um, feelings as a whole, I, I major disappointment. And I, I, re- I wanted to like this thing because I, I feel like, I mean, Filone, Dave Filoni's track record has been really solid up to this point. Maybe, maybe a few little gaps here and there with like a few things relating to the Mandalorian or, or other projects uh, notwithstanding, but he at least, he seemed to, I mean, I don't know. I guess like just like going, going back to Clone Wars, it seemed like he found a way of executing George Lucas's particular vision which is a complicated vision to execute interestingly and creatively and dramatically, but he found a way of executing it and staying faithful to those characters and concepts and ideas from the prequels that were largely panned at the time of their release um, and, and give them a new life and give them a new fan base and give them a new audience um, and, and really kind of find these characters and give give nuance and subtlety to some of these performances and make you rethink these things. And then continuing that with rebels and kind of bringing out his whole little universe and this expanding saga of this brand new protagonist named Ahsoka Tano. Uh, and to now have this one, which seemed like it was going to be kind of like the, the culmination of a trilogy. Um, as we found it, it might've been a little bit more like rebels season five, but he, I mean, he always had a very, you know, firm and competent hand on his own creations. So I was expecting that to translate to this new one. And I don't think it did. I think this exposed some problems in his, his storytelling, perhaps uh, when it comes to live action versus animation, but also just for some basic, basic writing, like like things that you learn in a first-level creative writing class that I think this, this series failed to do. And I don't know if that's 
entirely on him because it seems so unusual for him. Like it was, was that the result of outside influences on the show or has he run out of good ideas or, or did he just, was this just a misstep? I, I don't know, but I, I was expecting the show to be one thing and it, it wasn't, it was disappointing. Not, not bad, not terrible, but just, uncreative in weird ways so i don't know what did you think now with my background i you know i I watched the majority well i watched a large portion of the clone wars there's no doubt about that uh i most of the stuff that i did watch or uh, almost everything i watched verbatim were the jedi stuff and some of the stuff that was more clones and maybe padme going off on on a mission and didn't have any I did not watch as many of those. So I'm pretty well versed in all the, in, in the Ahsoka stuff and everything. And I watched, not that I had the channel at the time, but thanks to you. Thanks YouTube. But I pretty much watched all the important episodes that appealed to me with, uh, related to rebels, you know, related to Obi-Wan and Darth Maul and Vader and all that stuff. So, uh, and, and I did, I've watched a few, a few episodes. Uh, I started watching the first season of rebels on, on Disney plus. So I had an, I had enough background where I felt comfortable going into this. There was always a concern that it was just going to feel like, you know, he was just going to play to that, that Clone Wars Rebels audience almost exclusively and not necessarily explain a lot of things that probably, it's like, that probably should be explained that he may not do that because he figures, oh, everybody's going to know this stuff. But yet, Obviously, in this show, there's some things that should be explained that, that don't get explained. And then there's other things. But yet he takes the time to explain, you know, why Jason, you sh- we should listen to Jason because of who his father was and who exactly his father was. And so if you didn't know that, then all of a sudden I was like, oh, OK, that's why that's what he's seeing and feeling is a little more relevant than what you and I might think. But I think overall, I think you're right, because you and I were talking about comparing it to, to Obi-Wan. Uh, I think the show was a little more even than Obi-Wan from beginning to end. I think it's more it's more consistently paced. Doesn't yeah, mean it's a good yeah, doesn't I, mean it's a good pace necessarily. <laughs> but I think it's more evenly paced. Like the episodes are relatively consistent in, in, in length more than in many shows. The tone, for better or for worse, is fairly consistent. And the mm-hmm. qual and the quality, even though some episodes, and we may disagree which ones they are, but some episodes clearly are better than others, but the overall, there's not a dramatic drop off in quality from like, oh, episode one was really good, but episode three was, oh my God. So I think on that level, Ahsoka was better, but what Obi-Wan obviously succeeded better in was that it was uneven and it didn't start off with a, you know, with a lot of oomph, even though we were, it, they, they probably got away with it because they knew we would be willing to sit through that because we were interested in the character. But yes. but it ended well. Even if you move out, even if you want to push some of the Reva stuff that took away from the Vader Obi Wan stuff that everybody cared about, just just like if you watch watch reaction videos when in Episode Five of Ahsoka, especially the first cut when they cut away from from uh, Anakin and Ahsoka, everybody's like, oh, because nobody really cared about <laughs> anything. But 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 that was kind of what the like the, what the Reva stuff was like in Obi Wan to a lesser extent because you still had Owen and Baru and Luke in in that part. But it ended so well and it put all the pieces together so well at the end that they it stuck the landing. So it's real easy to overlook some of the flaws. 
And as we as we will eventually talk about the ending of the show of this season anyway, that the ending is just it's it's it does not do that at all. So it kind of makes you it's so it gives more of an empty feeling uh, to me about how I, I enjoyed it. I look forward to it every week. Just and it, it reminds me of Secret Invasion from that. I mean, I think it's better. I enjoyed it more than Secret Invasion. But it reminds me of that because even though not much was happening in Secret Invasion from week to week, and I didn't have any expectations at all. It's like, well, I, w- I did want to watch it as soon as I could to when it dropped. And this was like this. I never watched any episode of Ahsoka like at 9 p.m., but I, I always tried to watch it as close as I could. Uh, be- like before 11 o'clock, I tried to, I tried to get settled in and just, and just watch <laughs> it and see how it, and so, so I think, and part of that, honestly, is just Disney being bright and finally moving stuff back to a decent release time, not three o'clock in the morning Eastern. But there was a genuine, in, <laughs> you know, that's the truth. Yeah. But it yeah. was, a, but it is genuine interest, I think, that I had in watching to see how it was going to play out. So I, I think it's okay. I think it could, it, it could have been better. And obviously, I think the one of the major negatives is that the more interesting characters in, in the show are not any of the major Rebels characters. Yeah, I, I think characters are, are a big problem with this and the way they're treated, the way they're developed. And like, yeah, I think you're like, I think there was a lot of just assumption on the part of Filoni or the, like whoever was running the show that just like, yeah, everybody knows these characters or they know like these backgrounds. We don't, don't have to do a lot of heavy lifting with the characters because they've been around for four seasons already. It's like, okay, different medium. It's been like half a decade. You gotta, you gotta do something more with that. And, and I, I mean, I mean, I do kind of want to focus on Ahsoka in particular, because something was bothering me about it, and I, and I kept thinking, like, why is she the least interesting character in her own show? Like, this was bothering me from episode one and almost throughout it. I was like, this, like, why is that? And, and I don't remember if I've talked to you about this in the past, like, a month or something like that, but like, the, I, I kept coming up with this question of what is, what is Ahsoka's destiny? What is the point of her character? Because, if you follow her journey, because we spend so much time with her in the Clone Wars animated series, like seven seasons and all of this stuff, all of this buildup and the one true character that she is connected to is Anakin. And it just it, like because of how much time they have, they are like set up from inception that that has to be her final confrontation. That has to be her final step on her journey or something is to confront Anakin one way or another. But we know that's off the table just because of chronologically, we know that like, that's, that's what Luke does. And that's, that's already predetermined because the movie was 30 years old. So if she can't do that and she also like, isn't the, the Jedi who's supposed to stop Darth Maul or anything like that, like what is her purpose? Like what is her big story like the the culminating you know like the the the, the, her return of the jedi moment like what is that for ahsoka and i go back to this this at the end of clone wars when she walked away from the order she said i've lost faith in this and i'm gonna I, i can't be a part of this anymore well was that just an excuse so that she wasn't around when order 66 went down and like that kind of gave her the option of slipping between the cracks or 
was there something more to her where she could be this type of Ronin character who is not a Jedi, but is exploring the galaxy, finding new avenues and new pathways for the force to express itself in the universe and new practices. And she could be, she could kind of take us on some really weird creative adventures that have nothing to do with Jedi versus Sith. And I think I thought that's what Dave Filoni was going to do with it. But it seems like he either forgot or or was pushed to no. You have to go back to Jedi because as soon as this show starts, it's like not only is she calling herself a Jedi, but she adopted a a mentee, a, a trainee, a Padawan of her own at some point in the past, and she's got all these conflicting feelings about that that the Padawan failed, and there's all this angst. And it's like so getting into the story. I'm like I, this. This whole thing of retreating Ezra and going to this other galaxy and, and, and bringing back Ezra but not bringing back Thrawn and this race against time, yeah, it felt like a, a season five plot for Rebels. So it should have starred Hera and Zeb and Sabine and Chopper going on this mission. This didn't have to be Ahsoka's story. She didn't have to be in this show. She just was because she's Filoni's pet character and and he needed something for her. But I don't think this was the right story to tell with her. I think these should have been two. I think she should have had a different story, a different show. And this, whatever we, this plot that we have here with the, the return of Thrawn and Ezra could have been called something else or just rebels season five or something like that. It's just, I don't know. That's the only thing that I can explain why it felt like she wasn't interesting and wasn't necessary to this, to this plot. I think there's a lot of truth in that, at least short term. Maybe once we see how all the pieces fall into place, that maybe, maybe it's one of those things where we'll feel different. Maybe related, and we'll talk about Balin, obviously related to, especially out of the final episode. Not that, not that we we barely got anything of Balin, which which is which sucked. But the point is that at least it hints of, at least gives you an idea where they're going with him. That maybe that is is going to be part of what what Ahsoka's destiny or fate is going to be, uh, and that's why they need her. Maybe that's again that's why she needs to be in the other in in the other galaxy where they where they end up trying to. But and part of it, like we, we and I know you have feelings on this too. Though we'll have to talk about uh, Rosario and the way she plays Ahsoka. Now, you and I talked a lot about about Episode Five. Which is kind of like where, but it's kind of like the tipping point for Ahsoka from a story arc perspective in the show. And the, I think I was just, you could obviously see a change in Ahsoka's, uh, her attitude and a little bit of the way she acted after episode five, which was an Mm -hmm. opportunity, which was an opportunity. And maybe again, this might be the first steps. Maybe like once we, if if we if they gave us a second season, maybe by the end of the second season, she is a lot more energetic and a lot closer to the to the Ahsoka that we remember. But I thought we were going to get a little bit more of a dramatic uh, personality uptick in six through not uh, six through what was this eight right six through eight yeah that I, I that because clearly what they what what they were what they established, which is which is why Balin beat her, because he essentially did the same thing he did to Ahsoka that he did to Sabine. He just knew he didn't have to fight Sabine, nor was she a challenge. So he he played more head games very well with uh with Ahsoka. That Ahsoka's weaknesses and her, what was 
that it all came down to Anakin. It basically came down to she has guilt about le- she had guilt about leaving Anakin. She had guilt about what Anakin became and wondering if she could have saved him. And then the fear that because she was so much like Anakin and so much of Anakin is in her, that 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 her fate could very if she did, if she didn't keep things under control, she could end up like Anakin. So part of a part of the mechanism for keeping things under control was basically not having any emotion at all (laughs) to be the opposite of Anakin. And and can I just ask you, like, have you ever thought that Ahsoka might fall to the dark side? No, no, not in the animated version. No, and I and I agree, and I agree with you that it's these were these were things that prop the 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 groundwork should have been laid for more even in Rebels before obviously she disappeared for a while before she came back with the world between worlds thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I think understandably so if you psychologically I don't think it's unrealistic that she would that she would have she would have this baggage. And as time goes by, especially when you're not, especially when you're not fighting as much, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're in the heat of the battle and, and you're, and you can see the goalpost and you can see the evil that, mm-hmm. that once that's gone, then you're trying to find your place in all this. And then it also causes her to, to, to do some reflection. And so the stuff they gave us in five, which, Yes, could they have been a little more? Could they have been a little less subtle and more direct at times in that episode about what Anakin was trying to show her? Yeah, they could have been. But when you think of when I thought about it more after the fact, and then you watch it a few more times, then it kind of become. Then you understand, like like them flashing back to, like the one of the first missions they were on, and the, and the concerns that she had. And then the what she became when when they did the siege of Mandalore, you know, which was literally the last time we saw her in the in Clone Wars. That I think it's I think it's understandable that all her issues, and especially when he's talking about legacy, that she's part of a legacy, and that you're basically everything that I, basically everything I am is in you, and all my knowledge and everything everything about me, and my knowledge, my experience, who I am is in you, just like basically everything of Obi-Wan is in me and Qui-Gon is in him and blah, 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 that that all sounds good. But all she sees as her legacy is all is not just war, which is pretty much all she's ever known since she came to the Jedi or became a Padawan anyway. But the fact that she sees Anakin as everything that happened to Anakin and, and, and on all the damage and and everything that he caused, despite how good he was at one point, how powerful he was. And they even touched upon it throughout multiple times in this, including in the finale that, you know, she's, which explains probably why she wouldn't touch Grogu with a 10 foot pole either. It's the fact that she's afraid that anybody, especially anybody who has attachment because we, Anakin had attachment up to Wazoo, especially if you're training somebody who's very powerful, raw, potential powerful, that if things go wrong, this is going to be a big problem because she knows what happened when, when Anakin, so that would be so she would be really afraid that under the right circumstances pushed that maybe maybe that she would at least give in give in to the dark side and then maybe like Anakin she couldn't just unlike like Anakin she couldn't just walk rejected walk away and move on like Luke did that that would basically be her starting down the path. So I, I to me it, it made I think it worked for me anyway. For me it didn't. Um, the, the whole world, like episode five, the world between worlds. And I, I felt like 
Yeah, I, I just uh, like I needed them. You like you're right. Like all of the baggage between her and Anakin, I needed them to just talk about that stuff and just have like this direct conversation, not be talking about riddles. Because the whole thing about like the it seemed like the first message he was trying to impart on like her, showing her like these flashbacks to her is like, yeah, she like growing up as a judge, which was basically a child soldier, and then like this whole thing that like. In war, people die, and you have to be willing to accept death. You have to, as a leader, you have to be willing to send people to their deaths. And like, okay, is this about her training Sabine? And and like, their 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 relationship failed because she was afraid that Sabine would die because she wasn't strong enough. I was like, okay, I don't. That's not the message that we got in the first four episodes. We were told that the relationship failed because Sabine just sucked as a Jedi. I was like, so this is, this is kind of conflict. I was like, and, and where is this coming from? And then the whole thing about like, just like being too close to Anakin and, and the potential of his legacy and her falling to the same thing. I was like, I just, I never saw that as a viable thing because I never saw like what would tempt her to the dark side. Like if I could use any adjective to describe through most of her existence on the shows, she's just sweet. She's a sweet girl. And, and I just, I can't see that kind of darkness intruding on her. So like they, they just needed some other build up if that was a, a real threat, a real fear of her for or slipping into the dark side. So I would rather, I would rather them have had that scene be about her guilt and her feeling like if she hadn't walked away, she might've stopped his, his road to destruction. And he could have said, no, if you hadn't walked away, I would have killed you too. And, or, or something like along those lines, you could have wherever that conversation may have gone. But I just felt like they were talking about two things that weren't, weren't the same kind of problems or the, or there weren't the conflicts that, that had been set up by the previous episodes. And then the whole thing at the end is where it's basically is like, you can give up and you can just drown or you can continue to fight. And it's like, is that, is that some, is, is Sabine really that low? Is she really that down and depressed? She'd been beaten that badly that she would just willingly sacrifice herself to death and, and give up this fight. You mean, that you mean, you mean, feel you like mean it's in her, you mean Ahsoka? You've said Sabine a couple of times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ahsoka. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but that just that doesn't feel like her character at all. That she would just give up in the middle of a, a mission that's incomplete with the the fate of the galaxy possibly resting on her hands. She's not a quitter. So that that just again, like I kind of go back like this this whole thing. It felt like. It felt like the, the coach's pep talk. It felt like Mickey or Apollo pulling Rocky and giving him the speech that he needs to kind of come back and, and before you play the Eye of the Tiger and he, or the, <laughs> the, the, the theme, the, the, um, Eye of the Jedi, baby. Bill Conti. Yeah. The, the Bill Conti <laughs> theme before that rises up as he gets ready to go back out there for the final, for the final round and take, take down the opponent. I was like, this is the pep talk thing, but I was like, but what is like, why she doesn't need this pep talk. I just felt like there, there wasn't enough buildup to, to have her that down, <laughs> like laid low for, for this dramatic change in her character. So I, I creatively, I, I love like the look of that, the visuals in that throughout that episode and all the stuff they did with the flashbacks and bringing back Hayden Christensen for that part and, and the visuals and, and what he was able to do with that. I was very, very impressed. It was a great thing to look at. And, and overall, I, cause I, I do want to hit on some positives. I think that 
that would be my thing overall with the show. It was beautiful to look at yes. the visual tapestries that they get. And this is something that is, is throughout like rebels and clone Wars. like visual, like it, like some breathtaking paintings, the shots of the star destroyer chimera over that uh, castle on, on Peridia or something like that, just in the atmosphere, it looks beautiful. Like these other planets that they go to, even on Corellia, some really cool visual things. The costumes are great. I, I wish that not every planet had the same kind of overcast sky, so everything <laughs> is kind of in this gray tone, no matter what planet they're on. But like the costumes, uh, like the Balin and Shin, I love the fact that they look like a knight and squire that kind of gave them a, a little bit of a, a medieval cast. It's a little bit of a different flavor for the Jedi, and, and with Balin kind of occasionally having this sort of Shakespearean affect to him and what his agenda may have been. I thought that was really cool to look at, but just it like, it would be a great show to watch on mute, but like the dialogue was just constantly ticking me off. So not, not mute because I love the music. The music again was <laughs> awesome, uh, but just like I get off all the dialogue. <laughs> I think with Ahsoka, I think oh. we're, I, I think we're just supposed to, I think we're always supposed to assume, or not always, but I think we're, we were supposed to assume that these things were under the surface with her for a long time. And yes, while the problem was, and, and I agree with you, that we've never seen any real evidence of it bubbling up, that I think just the idea that even since the b- very beginning, when, when she was dealing with, with the Clone Wars, that this idea of just of just fighting, 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 and the consequences of fighting that it, it, she's just worn down with it. And I think that the reason probably why a- Anakin needed to come to kind of like uh, give her that pep talk then was because Balin had done a very effective job, maybe at bringing things to the surface in her, some of these issues that she thought, but maybe she didn't either. She didn't think that she had to deal with, or she just suppressed them enough where she didn't, she didn't, didn't care. I mean, on the surface, she, she wasn't thinking about them constantly. So she didn't have to go through therapy to deal with them because she just was, she had effectively mind blocked them out. And then Balin's little head games related to Anakin and the legacy and everything else really dug that up. I do think you were correct. It would have been better if we had, if there was a, li- a few more breadcrumbs of that. And not obviously just in the show and or live action, uh, Ahsoka, if we had seen some of that in the in Rebels, at least. So I do think that's a fail. I do think that's I do think that's a failing. I think. If you're looking at one of the big positives, I'm obviously Balin was Ray Stevenson. Rest in peace. He knocked it out of the park in that role. It's it's so unfortunate that we're never going to get to see whatever they do with that character on screen. We're never going to get to see where they were going to go with him at playing that part because he was one of the more, as you and I talked about, he, he was with, with people like Bale and I'm willing to look the other way about more order 66 survivors. And I really wish there were, but <laughs> and, and plus yeah. we have no idea who his master was and how he survived and any of that. So, and we're never going to get it from him uh, as in the Stevenson version, but he was such an interesting character and his art and even that, though, I mean, again, we don't know. I assume it, it was not had nothing to do with him dying. It's just the way they actually wanted the last episode to be. But them shortchanging both Shin and Balin in the last episode is like they left you hanging for almost the entire 40-something minute, 48 minutes to finally see Balin. And it was cool. But again, this is one of those moments where 
if you didn't watch the Clone Wars, it means nothing to you. <laughs> I mean, yes, it was probably arguably if 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 besides the final arc on on with the Siege of Mandalore, you can make a case the Mortis arc was the best arc they ever did on the Clone Wars. <laughs> but if which, you didn't watch, which okay, and, and I'll be honest, I had to I had to watch a video today, like uh, some other video that pointed out that the statues of like or the the rock formations that he was standing on were were connected to that Mortis. The, the Trinity and everything like that. I just thought they were really cool, badass looking mountains and everything. Like in these statues, I was like reminded of like uh, um, Lord of the Rings. Yes. And then him just like looking out over these mountains. I was like, well, that looks ominous, but it doesn't tell me anything now. Like having said, it's like, oh, those are related to the, the Mortis gods of like yes. the, the, the dark side, the light side and like the, 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 the balance. balance. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, if that's his agenda, I really wish I had known that eight episodes ago or like seven episodes ago or something like that. It was just all of these things where you're right. Like they, he looks so cool and like him and Shin and their dynamic and everything. But I'm also like, like the fact that we only see them for mere seconds in the finale. I'm like, that doesn't really surprise me because you could have mostly taken them out of the story and it doesn't really affect the plot that much. It just, and Oh yeah, I know that's frustrating. I I I really I am I am more intrigued by their characters. I want to see more about them um, than frankly most of the characters that we focused on. Um, so yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I saw damn I can't remember who it was now. I saw like on Instagram or somebody somebody posted a suggestion for who they could recast him with. And it was an actor about the same age and and similar physical attributes as Ray Stevenson, uh, and I cannot think of who the suggestion was, but it was pretty good. And I remember seeing that and being like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I would be fine if that guy played him in the second season or movie or wherever they go next with it." But yeah, I think that's an, and I think the way they the way they didn't give the audience as a as a whole. That that's an example of where Filoni probably it's like, well, I don't I'm going to throw this out as a tease to the people to, you know, to the Filoni verse fans that have watched all the all the Clone Wars and have been spec, you know, and I think that's where it serves the greater Star Wars audience. It kind of failed. I think that I mean, (laughs) as I mean, I thought that's what it was. And the minute he's 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 walking, you kind of see a little bit of the face. And it's like that looks like the father. And then once you pull back and it's like, OK, so you got the father and you got the son. And probably not coincidentally enough, like the the, the daughter is missing or the head's broken off on the daughter, which obviously will, clearly will have to mean something to what's going on here. That that it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's them. Those are the mortis gods, which was a fan. If you if you've never watched that arc, you should you should make an effort to watch it because it's. It's utter. It's utterly fantastic. Everything that happens in it, and and mm-hmm. and and the visions that Obi Wan, Ahsoka, and Anakin all end up having, and who they talk to, and it's just really, mm-hmm. really, really fascinating. Because yeah. it still gives you a hint of potentially what you know. May, maybe we're gonna find out. Maybe the Anakin's actual role in bringing balance to the Force will end up going back to the Mortis gods. Maybe it really didn't have to do with just chucking and Palpatine down the shaft. Maybe he actually maybe, technically maybe. At, at this point, technically in the, in the timeline, maybe he has he hasn't actually brought the balance that he's supposed to bring yet. And it will be related to the Mortis gods. But I think but I do think that was a missed opportunity. I mean, I got it, but I, I knew a lot of people wouldn't. And I think that's just it's un, that's unfortunate, especially when Balin and Shin were, were the two most interesting human characters in this 
in this whole show. Part of, part of me half jokingly is I'm still surprised Filoni didn't catch some some social media hell for for Nick for giving her the name Hottie Shin Hottie. I figured all the, some sexist misogynist bullshit. Be, I figured it would be thrown at him because oh Shin Hottie. Yes, it's not spelled that way, but still, it is. It, it, it's not. A, it's not. It, it is borderline tone deaf in a world where you got to step. You got to step on eggshells all the time. It's surreal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but what about what about Thrawn? I'm not. I'm. I can just say as a disclaimer, I, my I am not in love with Thrawn as many people are. Yes, I read the, the Timothy Zahn books and everything else, mm-hmm. but I never watched any of the Rebels with Thrawn in it, and I never. I never. I never drank the Kool-Aid about Thrawn being like the, the be all end all of, of Star Wars villains that don't use a lightsaber. But but what did you think of his live action debut or even even or at least and arguably how it compares to the Rebels uh, Thrawn, since many people point out that the Rebels Thrawn is not exactly the, the original Thrawn either. <laughs> Well, and, and I think that's true. Um, and I, I have been a fan. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I have been a fan of Thrawn since 1993. Um, I, I love the original Timothy Zahn books and, and the trilogy. Um, but there, yeah, there are different types of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, there's the original ones that were in the old expanding universe since the, the Disney merger. And there's sort of the new canon. Zahn has written two different new Thrawn trilogies. And this is a very different version. Again, I think just because he's writing Thrawn as the protagonist of these books. So he's more of an anti-hero. Just, I mean, in order to follow him for that long, you need to make him sympathetic. So his alliance with Palpatine and the Empire there's it's more nuanced than him just being evil and wanting to control the galaxy because in the original books you know he was sending assassins after pregnant princess leia you know he he had no compunction about you know killing killing her uh so but they they've definitely softened him and then there's also the version in rebels and this version which i think you know it's something like we we've seen this in comics too like when you have a a character that is very much defined by the original creator and the, and the writer, they have a voice for that character and nobody can really replicate that. And that's kind of my feeling with Thrawn in, in rebels. And in this, it's like, okay, you, you have this approximation, but you can't think the way this character is supposed to think because you're not in the original author's head. And, the whole shtick is that Thrawn is supposed to be this tactical genius who can beat you even if you outnumber him eight to one. And it's because he can, he can discern insights into your character and your psyche and he can predict behaviors that you'll have just by studying your background, your culture, your art, all of these other sort of esoteric aspects of you. He can, sort of piece this together in this weird, a beautiful mind, little tapestry that he's got or like Sherlock and kind of put this together to know exactly what you're going to do before you do it. So he can anticipate it and he can cripple you that way. And that's really, really difficult to write somebody that smart. You kind of have to know everything that's going on in your plot to be able to have him know what your hero would do in any situation and then pounce on that and and reverse that but still give your hero some way of escaping that doesn't feel like it's just a deus ex machina that's really hard to write and unfortunately i think we see that because in the few episodes that he's in he looks cool 
he sounds cool. I think uh, um, Lars Mikkelsen captures sort of the gravitas of him uh, and, and the calm, cool nature, but he doesn't come off as any smarter than Captain Piet or any or, or General Veers. He doesn't do anything tactically brilliant or surprising. If he was really that smart, like the whole thing is the the like his his ride shows up and he's like okay we need to pack up my star destroyer this is going to take three episodes to do why (laughs) why didn't you have this time better why weren't you ready why is your star destroyer in the planet's atmosphere the entire time where the heroes can get you why aren't you in space like like why is like this ship like never out there like i just there was so much going on like he gave the heroes too many opportunities to come close to meeting him even though he said Escape is our only plan. We can strand them here. We can strand everybody here as long as I get out. And like, but but it just seemed like he just he never like all of his tactics like send uh, send some Tie fighters over there. All the Tie fighters were defeated. Hmm, my enemy is a worthy opponent. It's like what? And he's like, prepare for ground assault. You're just shooting the ground and missing. Like this isn't oh, anything God, special. Yes. You're it's like, like your brilliance is just relying on the magic of these dark witches. And it's like, this, this isn't anything special. He is not a clever guy. And it's like, and again, this goes back to my, my idea of like, like the breaking the cardinal rule of creator of, of showing and not telling. We are told that Thrawn is this horrible threat to the galaxy, but we're never shown that. Until like the last five seconds where apparently he's coming with an army of undead, either Dathomeri witches or undead stormtroopers. And that could be scary as hell. But I, I don't know what's special about him as a character yet. They haven't shown me that. Yeah, I, I think that's a common a common critique of Thrawn, that the way we saw him in these episodes is the fact that he did not he didn't come across as like, you know, Napoleon and Alexander the Great had a love child on steroids, and that's how the way they approach who they're <laughs> who they're who they're dealing with is like uh you can fight tremendous a tremendous battle against completely superior superior art superior odds from a strength mm-hmm. perspective and come and if you use the right tactics and you understand who you're fighting and you fight and you pick your battle battleground that yeah and things like that plus you know what they you know. The the John Kramer approach is like if you understand human nature, then you're never really never guessing any you're never making a guess or you're not relying on chance at all because you know exactly how pe- people will, p- will do things. That, exactly. And that's what and I do think that and this episode at all that this the final the final episode, but all the episodes were thrown in it. Yeah, you never got the idea that you didn't see evidence that he was the smartest man in the room. That uh like oh uh, I've learned not to underestimate Jedi so I'm going to send two Tie fighters after them. Like <laughs> I'm going to send two who don't hit a damn thing. And I know it's ha 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 stormtrooper meme blah blah. But come on, there was too much. There was way too much plot armor with that. Like that because they and, and it stood out like a sore thumb in the last in the last episode because of the fact that because there were two instances like right next to each other like in the same scene and with like sabine's back was like literally to like two or three troopers and nobody shot her it's like they literally waited for yeah i mean it's like so yeah so i think yeah the the action the action scenes were kind of waffly i thought some of the action scenes were really really good and some of them i was kind of like "Ah, okay this is just happening (laughs) it's just 
fights, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think from a lightsaber perspective, you know, the, the guy playing Ezra looks pretty good. He did a good job. I think mm-hmm. uh, Rosario is not that good from a from a fight a fighting perspective. Not with light with the lightsaber. She's a little slow. She's a little at least at least she's awkward when she, maybe she's less awkward in a real lightsaber duel and more and just extremely awkward when she's supposed to be acting when she's acting against green screen. It's like all these things are shooting at you, so to try to deflect them. Maybe that's and that's the, the thing. Is. I just I I wonder how comfortable she is in the robe or in the role because i when we saw her in the mandalorian i mean i i know some people were like they really didn't think of her as the same character they're like maybe it's maybe it's the transition from cartoon to live action but they're like they just didn't see it they're like i'm, I'm seeing rosario dawson and some weird prosthetics it doesn't feel like ahsoka to me and i'm like well I'll, I'll give it a, i'll give it a chance i'll i'll I, th- I think there's it's close enough but then watching the, this season i was like no, I, I really, I don't see it. Again, I think of Ahsoka as somebody who was fundamentally just sweet natured and, and enthusiastic. Even after all of the hardships of the war, I still think she has that, retains that. And with Ahsoka, she just always, like Rosario just always adopts that position of her just standing with her arms crossed. I swear, I swear in the finale, when they get into the, Dathomari, which like temple, like headquarters, when they get in the back, after they cut down the first wave of stormtroopers before they're resurrected, she's walking up the stairs and she like crosses her arms again. They're in the middle of a battle. And I'm like, why are you always standing that way? Like, like as if you're kind of just de- permanently detached from the situation. It bothered me so much. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Um, my, like there, were, there was something going on with the casting from the beginning because I thought Hera, who was played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, the wife now of Ewan McGregor, uh, so uh, congratulations to them. But <laughs> I didn't buy, I didn't buy her as Hera when I first saw her. Uh, something about her, she seemed her her facial features just seemed a little bit too soft to me, and I was like, I always saw Hera as a little bit more a little bit more gritty or a little bit just tougher. And then maybe, and this might've been my own thing, but like maybe like my, I was getting my sci-fi wires crossed because I always kind of associated Hera with Gina Torres's character from the show Firefly. I don't know if you ever watched it. It doesn't matter, but like, so no, but like it. with that little, with that imprint in my mind, I kind of in my head always thought of Hera as a woman of color. Like if I was going to cast somebody, and then, like, my wife just kind of put, like, two and two together. She's like, well, yeah, Rosario Dawson should have played Hera, and the other girl should have played Ahsoka. I'm like, that, I think, probably would have been a lot better, I think. So, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm alone on that one. But, yeah, I, I might have swapped those two casting calls. But Yeah, I think, and again, this is where you have to think that at the very least, it's it's the if it's not the writing, it's the direction, and that's maybe where Filoni's lack of experience comes into play. Because certainly we've seen Mary Elizabeth mm-hmm. Winstead in enough stuff to know that she's not a cold fish, monotone, can only play one thing one way. That that's not who she is. So the fact that mm-hmm. Hera is kind of really rel- relatively bo- boring, not much personality. Uh, Sabine. Who again? I thought that's not. I thought Sabine had more personality based on what I remember of seeing her in Rebels. 
And I know this is supposed to be a more bitter Sabine and things that happened since since we saw them and everything else. But I, it, so it just makes the contrast more. I mean, when when you when you have a Jedi training droid that has more personality than, than pretty much all of them, I mean that and, that's a problem. And and I I do think direction is part of it. And again, I I, I said at the very beginning that I think this might have exposed a few flaws with Filoni. I think some of it is the translation from animation to film because. Just and, and like this might sound stupid, but I think it's a practical example of why, if Hera is a general in the New Republic, why is she still wearing the same grubby orange flight yep. suit she wore ten years ago as a rebel, and like the same hat with the goggles that she never wears to fly? It's like <laughs> why is she like? But I'm like seriously, I was like, why does she dress that way? And then it occurred to me, well. If your background is animation, everything has to be on model. That is paramount. Everybody has to look right. If they don't look right, if they're not in the exact right color tone, the exact right costumes, the exact right shape, it's almost like a reverse of the uncanny, uncanny valley. Like your mind starts flipping out. It's like that doesn't look right. If you if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch the first season of The Simpsons. <laughs> it's, it's it's jarring. Um so I think like it's like well yeah in his mind the audience needs to recognize that green twilight woman who responds to the name Hera Syndulla is the same Hera that we saw in the cartoon so she has to look like that so she has to dress like that even though it makes no damn sense and that's like so yeah it's just, okay well that's that's an issue if you if you can't get out of the mindset of animation then yeah like when when you're when you're making the leap to to live action you need somebody else to point that out to you yeah i i i think that could very well be part of what's going on with with Dave Filoni and they could have they could have like split the difference i mean when when Hera's on her own and stuff and she's you know she could have still been dressing the same way but like when she when she's about to get court martialed <laughs> as we get our requisite uh original trilogy character cameo with 3PO uh which 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 was which, fine yeah it worked i i actually i i really enjoyed that 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 did surprise me i knew they weren't going to bring leia in cuz they're afraid of recasting those people again but i i to, to actually get 3PO in that moment i was like okay that was actually I I that that worked for me. I had a lot of fun with that. But yeah, just considering that Hera was my favorite character in Rebels of their of their whole little troop, she was always my favorite one. I really wanted more from her in this, and unfortunately, we didn't get it. But what we did get another cool little thing was in the first episode we got the New Republic E Wing Starfighter, which is something that I have loved since the Dark Empire comic book in like 1994, <laughs> whenever I first read it. And I, that's a little thing that, but that's one of those little touches that that brings me joy. And and I was like, oh, they got the E Wing finally in canon. I love it. I love it. And that's like. Again, going back to the, like the things that I really enjoyed about this, there was so much to look at. There were so many pretty things. There were things that reminded me of classic Star Wars. I loved the droids, the assassin droids that that Morgan Elsbeth has at her disposal. I, I just I love the look of those. Their little color scheme. The fact that sometimes they have capes. I just think that's a really cool thing. Um, when we get to Peridia, the whole thing with like the the temple, the look of the Night Sisters and these evil witches. It's just incredible to look at. Thrawn's whole night troop like with their 
kind of like weird, like half Dathomir, half Imperial regalia. The the stormtrooper leader Enoch with his weird gold face and, and, his, um, and his Cylon little, voice and his Cylon voice. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, the little turtle creatures that like Ezra is living with these nomadic creatures. I, I thought they were adorable. They reminded me the first time I saw the Jawas or the Ewoks. I was like, this feels like classic star Wars. I dig this stuff. There was just all those little, little elements. I had a lot of fun with, um, and who Yang, who Yang was my favorite character. Oh, yes. in the show. Just again, I, I think like, uh, this is, this is again, something else that I was talking to my wife about. Like, I don't, since the, since Disney has taken over <laughs> over Lucasfilm, I don't know if they've quite cracked the code of how they can handle Jedi. I, I, I think they're really struggling with how to approach Jedi characters and like what lane they want to treat them with. But they do really, really well with droids. Like the <laughs> droid characters across the board have almost stolen the show every time, whether it's BB-8 or K2SO or the emo droid that's like a little puppy from, from Andor. Um, yeah. They just <laughs> the droids, they get it with droids. So That is true. They actually do do a really nice job. With, with droids and doing and in the case of Chopper being able to carry over the animated version to a live action and not really lose much. Maybe it's because Disney's just the house of Pinocchio and they, they <laughs> kind of get that. So, but. yeah, it's it's one of those things where I was just I was just hoping for I was hoping for more payoff. You know, you were just I was when you look at this as a whole. Um, there was there were some cool things in it. And, you know, the Anakin stuff I liked. Not just I mean, it's and obviously I mean, we we, we kind of got a glimpse of that in uh in the Obi Wan series too. But obviously Hayden still has his lightsaber skills better than anybody else, considering how how he moved in. <laughs> but yeah, as as a cat, and I think it's cool that they're kind of doing more with Anakin because Lord knows the sequel trilogy completely spit to bit since they couldn't even utter the guys the character's friggin' name. And they, mm-hmm. <laughs> that re- amazing. Uh, yeah, they gave him a voice cameo, but by, you know, by still many accounts, he, he, he did film something for that movie and, and that wasn't in it. Right. But, but we get a lot of that. I mean, there's, there's talk. I mean, there, there is a strong belief that they filmed stuff, more stuff that was blatantly obvious on Mustafar between Ahsoka and, and Anakin, which was supposed to be the what if, the what if if she never left him, that basically Obi-Wan would have been, would already, already have been off. And it would have been, it would have been her fighting him on Mustafar. Though it ended, would have ended up the same way because the point now was Anakin had to, his fall was inevitable at this point, which, uh, which I'm, mm-hmm. which I'm fine with because I'm sick of the, you know, the Anakin apologist, Obi-Wan haters of the world, making it sound like, well, you know, it's really Obi-Wan's fault. No, it was really Anakin's fault. <laughs> Uh, and at the end of the day, yeah. at, certainly at least at least like it's a choose your own adventure book after you've already picked one path. It's like now you got to go down this road <laughs> and it's only going to take you to other to to one or two choices. So it's like once he started down the road, it's like, well, he's either going to he's either going to beat who he's fighting on Mustafar or he's going to end up toasty. And we know how what it was right. meant to end up as. So, yeah, I, I again, I over the last couple of years in in. Watching the prequels, which I 
used to loathe and absolutely <laughs> hate them. Watching them now from a different perspective with the context of, of stuff like Clone Wars, but also watching them with a little kid now and, and seeing them through his eyes and, and kind of getting a sense of when George Lucas said he was making these movies for kids. Oh, maybe that wasn't BS. Maybe there was actually some truth to that and kind of having a new sense of them. I am a lot more considerate and a lot more forgiving of those. I do. I, I am really, really glad that Hayden for his sake is getting a second chance at this with a fandom that is not just more forgiving, but actually like really enthusiastically embracing and wanting to see more of him in this role and wanting him to really get this, this second act. Um, Cause if he can get it, more power to him. I don't, I've said this before. I don't want anybody to have a bad experience playing in a star Wars movie. That should be the dream of, of every child. So yeah, if he, if he's having this, this fun, then yeah, by all means, give him a few more projects to do that. That's cool. Good for him. And like, and like you, you mentioned that, you know, the clone war stuff, the throw, the, the flashbacks were awesome. I mean, they did a, they did a nice job and, and oh, that that one visual, that just that one little still shot of him leading the clones into the like the smoke, into the, like the battle, when it's like there's like a lightning flash and his silhouette changes to Darth Vader's for just like a fraction of a second is a beautiful moment. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, you earned your paycheck with that one. <laughs> yeah, they did, and and he did a really nice job capturing the Clone Wars version of Anakin uh, in some of those lighter moments yeah, and yeah. stuff. Which makes sense because he's made he's made it clear that he's a fan of that of the Clone Wars and he's yeah, watched he said all he those studied, episodes. Yeah, yeah, he said he studied those really clear because he's like he's like this is a brand new character. He's like I he's like I've never had an interaction with Ahsoka before. I need to do the all of this homework and read watch all of these shows and everything to figure out what is this new version of this character that I played. So I think they did a really nice job doing that and. You know, would it have been nice? I mean, we see Rex. Would it have been nice to ha- to have Obi Wan in there some at some point? Which I think the rumors were he was supposed to be in there at some point. But yeah, I think that would have been cool. But it, but of course, that's something that could always happen. That's a that's that's at least a one beauty. The beauty of the fact that at least all these characters all knew each other. You know, when they were younger and stuff. So it's not like he. It's not like Ahsoka couldn't potentially see the Ewan McGregor version of Obi Wan since apparently until we get another retcon. That uh, she never encountered Obi Wan since, uh, right since they went into hiding, so she never actually saw him again. So that's the way she would see and envision him anyway. So there's no reason why he couldn't necessarily appear as you know as Ewan McGregor to him, to her, especially if he's with Anakin, you know. So it would make sense that they would be the same age if she's seeing both of them. Um, All right. Or or he would want to appear to her that at that age because that's how she would know him. Like I think I I'm trying to like. Bring it all back to anything we major that we didn't. Like, so, go ahead. You take- it, just some things just about the, the very end of the episode. Um, uh, so, yeah, we talked like Shin looks like maybe she's taking control or she's she's going to lead these these bandits. Yeah. Like, OK, that's that's kind of cool. Uh, Balin apparently is looking at like something do with the mortis gods that's very intriguing now that i know what it actually is like i again i wish i had some sense like early on in the series that that that's well that was his agenda um but okay we'll see where that goes when ezra okay the like, shuttle <laughs> yeah it's like i i get it there's the sake of a dramatic reunion but we know who it is 
why, in the name of everything holy, would you walk into a hangar full of armed New Republic soldiers dressed as a stormtrooper when you don't have to? You can just take that off in the ship and come out dressed normally, like your space hippie self, whatever he was. Just like, hi, I'm Ezra. You might not remember me. But just like... Like, just any trigger finger, just like that could have ended really badly if somebody just, like, slipped on their finger and like, <laughs> shot him dead. Because, like, I thought it was a stormtrooper. I thought we were under attack. So that that I just thought was dumb for the sake of the reveal. But then the ending, like, with, with Ahsoka and Sabine, okay, now they're stranded and they're taking the turtle nomads and they're going out listening. It's time to move on. What does that mean? Are they just, like accepting that they're here forever like they're not going to try and figure out a way to escape like or she's just like it's time to move on i'm no longer going to fight against the empire or the dark side or whatever grand admiral front does to the other galaxy that's on them like i just i don't know what that means like what and, and like the just like the look that she the exchange she had kind of has with with force ghost anakin at the end just like kind of gave a sense like he's proud of her and like he yeah he's always gonna stand by her like she said but i'm like what like i just i don't get it i don't get the end i think i think we're supposed to just take it as now that it's no longer ahsoka the gray it's ahsoka the white that i think she's just more accepting of things so i think she this kind of like this is the will this is the will of the force you know we were meant to right for now we were meant to be left behind i don't necessarily think that we're supposed to take it or even she's necessarily going to take it. Well, we're going to be here forever. We might as well, uh, we might as well pick out a nice shell of our own and start wearing one on our back. <laughs> I, nice. I, I think that it's just, well, don't like, don't be, don't be, don't be bitter. Don't be angry. Don't be frustrated. Just, this is the way it's supposed to be for now. We just make the best of work. And basically, uh, what's ever meant to happen is meant to happen. So, and plus, it probably also helped for Ahsoka when she saw her owl, too, for the first time. It's like, oh, okay. So that's probably a good sign. So obviously, yeah. we know, since obviously we know the one thing we do know, even though we don't get a lot, we don't get a lot of explanation. We know the force exists in this place and we know that there's ties to the to the force. And it works the same way as far as we know, because we we have Ahsoka's owl. We have Force Ghost Anakin being able to pop, you know, show up in a different galaxy. We have the you know we have the Mortis God statue, which shows that that whether the Mortis Gods came originally from this galaxy or not, that you know. Or they, yeah, uh, if the, with the Death Mary, like if the Force originated here yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot. So I I think it's just accepting the situ accepting the situation of their current status and not and not getting frustrated just and not. I think that's all it's all it's supposed to be. It it, it is kind of a little like a. Like an aw shucks kind of thing. It's like, oh well, that didn't go like the way we planned. Oh well, <laughs> <It's> like, but <laughs> but <laughs> I, I kind of wanted just like as as much as it would have seemed like a cheat, just like a little thing like Hu Yang, like oh yeah, when we were in that space whale, I mapped our route here. I can get <laughs> us back. <laughs> we can just we can take our own ship and go back home. Like it's not a problem. We're not stuck here. Like I don't know. But, oh gosh, yeah, d- d- disappointing because. I felt like characters frequently made dumb or bad decisions just for the sake of the plot. I felt like there was a lot of things that's, I, I mean, you, you said like the finale, like you were expecting a big thing, 
but we kind of knew where it was going. It's like, yeah, they pretty much told us how it was going to end from the beginning. The bad guys get the map, they go to Thrawn, they bring him back. And it doesn't feel like the good guys ever really had a shot of stopping that, which is just, yeah, I just feel, again, reinforces this idea that they, they were way too reactive and never really were proactive or, or, or strategized or did anything creative or something that put the bad guys on their back foot or kind of like had, had, did anything surprising. Everything just kind of felt a little bit too paint by numbers. Um, so from a story perspective, I, that was a big disappointment. Again, visually, I thought there were some breathtaking shots. Uh, I love the costumes. For the most part, the cinematography was really, really good and really interesting. I uh, love some of the new characters and the creations. They did some interesting, um, you know, aesthetic tricks. Um, just to, there was, again, as a, as a visual treat, I, I could spend a lot of time in this world. Uh, the music I thought was terrific. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't want them to talk. They ruin it with their talking. <laughs> it definitely was beautiful looking. I mean, you they, you could tell they put this is a show where you can see where they like where all the money went on the screen. Uh, that yeah. That like you know like you, if you find out this show had at least as much money to spend as Secret Invasion, at least it makes sense as opposed to Secret Invasion. Like, huh? What? <laughs> Other than paying Sam Jackson, where did this money go? <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I, I I think they really they they really did a good job on that level. I think it was in it kept my interest. I was interested from week to week. I do think that when you look at it from a from an arc perspective, for many of the characters, not all that much. Ha- Ahsoka did have some stuff. Technically, Sabine had stuff too. Of course, some of it was no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, forced. Since the woman who has no force powers throughout her entire life, all of a sudden, once she moves the lightsaber once, all of a sudden she's she's good to go. So I don't. <laughs> but, and, and my my exact thought was that was like I, I wanted to I wanted to scream BS, but I was like, okay. When Ray did pretty much the same thing, I accepted it. So I've got to hold my tongue now when Sabine yeah. does it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I can't, I can't be hypocritical here. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I mean, at least, at least she had been trying and failing for a long time, and then in the moment, yeah. and then eventually, in the moment of crisis, in the, and when the rubber meets the road, she's able to do finally do something, and then maybe that basically. It's, it's like unlocking an achievement in a game. Now you have it. Now you can use it. It's like so. <laughs> but I agree. I, I given given what happened with her versus the Mary Sue effect of hey, I can I can do Jedi mind tricks out of the blue and I don't even know what the hell I'm. Yes, this is much this is much much preferred. There's no there's no doubt about that. There's and, and, and even though she does unfortunately join the ever expanding. Lightsaber through the gut survivor club, which they really need to stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and somewhere Qui Gon is saying nasty words, <laughs> and then the Jedi Force gathering and get the Force Ghost can get togethers. <laughs> How did I die? Oh, <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> that, that's that's Qui Gon channeling some of Liam Neeson's more recent portrayals in Lightning <laughs> and, and the Grey. He's getting an, he's getting angry Irish. Man. <laughs> that would be that would be funny. <laughs> I have a particular <laughs> set of skills. <laughs> Waves his hand. Uh, but yeah, so 
We'll see what happens next. I don't. They've never. They haven't officially announced season two. They never made it sound like originally it was going to be season two. That they were, that it was going to eventually just roll into what Mandalorian three and a uh, four, and then just do the movie. Yeah. But it kind of seems like they have to do a second season just because there's too much crap that's left hanging. And, and, and we don't. I would. I would think. Yeah. yeah and we don't. Even, I mean. And but there are some problems here with throwing. I mean, even with the planet at the moment. Yeah, he he's 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 got a pretty impressive ground force because of the fact that he's got zombie troopers that can just keep either being resurrected or once they've been resurrected, they just don't stay. They just keep getting up. But he only has one ship, and it's not particularly in good shape. <laughs> right, right. So that's kind of a Which problem. Which I, I like this. I, I like this as as a switch because, like again, going back to the original Thrawn trilogy of novels, like his whole shtick was like he, he the secret weapon was that he found this this cloning chamber and he was able to make right. a, a a brand new race of clone stormtroopers and start a new Clone Wars. Well, okay, that was that was before we we had the prequels before we'd seen Clone Wars. At this point, there's nothing special about clones; they've been done to death. So what can you do? I was like, okay, now he's got an army of the undead zombie stormtroopers. I was like, well, that's cool. <laughs> that's kind of new. <laughs> that's that's different. And and you know, in the original, like he teamed up with this dark side Jedi. Now he's got these dark side witches. I was like, all right, I'm I'm cool with that. If this is where the the villain plot is going, I I'm along for that ride because I thought they were they were cool. They were some of my favorite aspects of this. So yeah, show me more of that. But. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where they go, like what, what to do with these characters who are left on this planet with Shin and Balin and and uh, Sabine and, and Ahsoka. I don't know if the, if this is going to culminate in a big movie, if, if this is really going to be a threat that uh, like the the whole race, of the fate of the galaxy is resting on this. I hope they're not afraid of recasting characters like Luke Skywalker and, and Leia and Han again. Um, cause it kind of feels like it, it'd be important to bring them along, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do. I, I think Thrawn, I think Thrawn's going to be taking like a, a, taking a fast track to Exegol and see if we can borrow some ships. <laughs> you gotta have some, some of them have to be built by now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Not the whole fleet, but some of them have to be done or almost done. Yeah, him getting the fleet is going to be would be the more intriguing thing to see how he's going to do because obviously, you know, it's like you can't really conquer, you can't really take the empire back if you only have one broken down ship. <laughs> you really right. can't. Uh, even I mean, ground force is great, but I mean, unless unless that super hyperdrive thing they use has some uniquely, <laughs> we're going to pull a whole other maneuver. <laughs> yes. We're gonna go right through eight planets. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I was. I'm. I'm pretty much done with this. I was just gonna ask. Do we know anything about skeleton crew at this point? I don't know much. I don't. I because they they showed didn't they showed some stuff right at it uh at celebration. I think they showed something from that. But yes, they did. But, I haven't seen that. But they never. I don't think they leaked it. I don't think that. I don't think. I don't think okay. they leaked it. No. I don't know. So you're right. That's gonna that. That'll be and that'll be something else, and then Mandal- Mandalorian season. So it'll be interesting how they connect, because obviously they connect the dots time time wise, timeline wise in this. Because have, good. Have they said that? Have they said that the acolyte takes place during the High Republic, or is it just sometime in the Old Republic? I don't. I don't think it's the High Republic, but okay. I think it's just in the in the Republic. 
the, the acolyte in quotes, okay. if, if that show really exists. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure it exists, whether it's going to be good or not. And, and, and let's see if it comes out while Kathleen Kennedy's still there, because maybe that'll never see. Maybe that'll end up like with Batgirl. We'll never see the light of day. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, I yeah, I, I hope some of those other projects like the um uh gosh, who's the director? Uh, Mangold. Uh, yeah, James Mangold. I hope he gets a shot because uh, I really enjoyed Indiana Jones 5. Um, I, I, I've enjoyed pretty much all of his movies. Like, uh, Copland is one of my, like, all-time favorites. Uh, and I think he's just, he's got a really good style, very good visuals, and, and he's a good storyteller. So if he could do, if he could do a Star Wars story that is kind of divorced from continuity and he can do his own thing, I, I would be really excited to see where he would go with that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yes, 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 we will. Anything you want to push, my friend? No, if people want to hear more from me, they can find me at the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I host Cheerscast, where I cover the TV sitcom Cheers uh, in chronological order, almost done with season six at this point. Uh, from time to time, I do a music show called Fire and Water Records. Uh, from time to time, I also do my own Star Wars show, uh, and I'm going to do a, an Ahsoka review show where I'll make these exact same points again. Uh, that'll be in the future, but... Uh, yeah, you can also hear me doing I, – I actually just about a month ago, I went back and did another uh, Obi-Wan review, and I was like thinking, I was like, should I go back and listen to our old one like that we did when it happened? I was like, no, I'm just going to do it fresh because I watched the show again, and right. and I was able to give it a kind of a second thought. And uh, I think I still had some of the same pl- points, but – yeah, I mean, like, look at thinking about <clears throat> thinking about all these Disney shows, like, because so, somebody else asked me, like, I think Andor, I think, is unquestionably the best quality, but that's also in this weird position because it almost feels like it transcends Star Wars. It's like its own little subgenre, but I think that is a clear winner. I really think The Mandalorian season one and season two are terrific. Um, then there's a there's a sharp step down. I th- think obi-wan kenobi again just a lot of it is the performances of ewan mcgregor and the girl who played leia and then also seeing seeing darth vader anew in like a new scary light and a little bit reva too even though she was a very complicated character i thought she was compelling in her own way um but yeah that that I, I, you kind of brought up that show also had like a lot of whiplash problems in terms of tone and plot, whereas Ahsoka felt very tonally consistent, but I just, I lost interest in the characters and stuff like that. So these ones are kind of in the middle. And then Mandalorian season three, it's sin was just being really, really boring. Um, I, to the point where I barely remember anything of those episodes and I think the book of Boba Fett was just garbage, like possibly the worst thing to have the name Star Wars attached to it. Uh, some hits and misses, but, you know, I, I can't quit Star Wars. <laughs> no, no, I can't either. So uh-huh. it's kind of we're in the same boat. It's like at least at least the Rocky stuff has been relatively high quality. So it keeps us feeling better <laughs> about our about our loyalty. But the I guess uh-huh. and, the, and we and. We may be in the minority, but at least we did like Halloween end. So I guess I guess it it, it ended quote unquote on a high note for us with that trilogy. <laughs> All right. So if anybody wants to contact us, why I don't know, but if you do, lanterncast at gmail dot com, lanterncast dot com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast. We are on Apple Podcasts, no longer 
No, yes, Spotify still exists. It's Stitcher that's gone. I, I got I got to update my list. Soon they'll all be gone. What does it matter? Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. There you go, Chad. That'll make you happy. Whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you want to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. And for you and I, I'm trying to think what we possibly could reconvene on soon. I don't know if there is there another project that that I'm overlooking that plays in both our wheelhouses. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna need your help for something, but it's not a recording, so I'll tell you okay, about it when cool. we're done. <laughs> so that yeah. works. All right. Well, well, I'm sure we'll record soon because it's always fun when we get together and throw out ideas. Yeah. And, oh yeah. So, yeah. so thank you very much, Ryan, and we will talk soon. Happy to be here. Thank you, everybody. Good night, everybody.